Hi, I'm Haley. And I'm Becky. And this is How to Not Get Killed. What's up? Chilling. <laughs> we've done this exact intro before. This is not new. This is not new or exciting for anybody. No, no, <laughs> What's no. up? Just chilling. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Done. Bye. Episode over. <laughs> Episode over. <laughs> All right. Well, how was how was your Halloween? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> We're recording before Halloween, but this will come yeah. out after Halloween. So yes. hopefully Halloween was awesome. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I hope. Are it was. you dressing up? Are you doing anything? Um, no, no. Like, uh, my friend invited me to a Halloween party at her place, and if I didn't work both Saturday and Sunday, I'd be able to go. Mm. But I work both Saturday and Sunday, and then mm. Drew's great aunt is coming to visit the one that taught me how to knit. Oh yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, I think I'm just gonna hang out with her instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair so, enough. Yeah, yeah. That's... You could dress up to go to work. Actually, yeah, I could do that. You could wear a little costume at work. Or yeah, something. maybe I'll maybe I'll like put something on for Sunday. Yeah, for Sunday's shift. Yeah, yeah. we don't know what it is yet, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll, we'll find maybe out. Maybe we'll all know by now. Yeah. Well, by <laughs> now we'll know who won our patron only um, costume contest. Yes. And can I win that? Or no, pa- the, the pa- <laughs> no, the patron only is the pumpkin contest. Oh, yes. The yes, pumpkin carving contest. we have more contest. than one contest going, we which do. is confusing. We have, a, we have a few. And then we have the Halloween costume slash, like, decor. Yeah. Decor. Because some people may not want to send their, like, pictures of, like, themselves. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Or, like, Halloween decor. Just make sure if it's your house, you put your, your full address in it along with your social security number. Just for, for <laughs> oh, When elig- you said full address, we're like, why? Like, for, you know, just for eligibility reasons. <laughs> no, <laughs> please name, don't do that. mother's maiden name. Yeah. No. <laughs> Your favorite color and who you went to prom with. Because <laughs> that's usually security questions. <laughs> Honestly, my brother and I were um, in Stratford the other day and that we were, we parked on the street and it has one of those things where it was like a, a parking app. Okay. Instead of like where you actually put, oh no, yeah. you could put change in, but we didn't have any change. No. So I do the app and it was one of those things where it's like, it asks, it's like, okay, you put in the date and then you put in like the parking number and then you put in like your license plate, but then it's like the make and model of the car and like the color yeah. of the car or whatever. And I was your like, Jesus Christ. And I was like, firstborn child, like yeah. everything. I was like, oh my gosh, Tyler, this is taking forever. Sample. Like, yeah, I asked for like 18 different things and I was like, don't you just need like one or two identifiers yeah. for the car? I feel like, like, shouldn't it just be like, oh, that like black rav4 over there or the license plate just or the license just maybe plate. the license plate's enough no one should have the same one as me that's true i don't know why i'm like thinking about it like yeah honestly it's like make model of the car year that you bought it insurance yeah. slip like, like no. your favorite color <laughs> buddy the elf what's your favorite color <laughs> oh, man. oh man yeah so well, um, on that note, I hope Halloween was good for everybody. And I I'm, hope... dr- I'm dressing up. I'm excited. And you, I remember you saying you're refusing to tell me what you're dressing up as, if I remember correctly. I don't remember that. I feel like I, I just. I don't think you would know what I'm dressing up as. Oh, that's what you said. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, and that's okay. I'm dressing. I'm dressing up as a character from The Witcher. Okay, yeah, I I've seen bits and pieces of it just because Drew's watched a bit of it, but uh, not a lot. Okay, um, like there's only like really one like main girl. I think Jennifer. Yen- Jennifer. Okay. There's other women in it. I just mean yeah. like she's like the main one. Okay. Speaking of yeah. The Witcher, only I'm only saying this because it sounds similar. Have you watched The Watcher? No, but it's on my list. Okay. To be honest, I was gonna start it, but then I had to rewatch Stranger Things. 
Okay. Okay. Fair. <laughs> I've been watching that for the last five days fair. straight, and it's been awesome. But um, it's yeah, been no, awesome. As soon as I'm done, should we say right, it now? As... Speaking of Stranger Things, well, yeah, that's why I've. Should I, we tell them or no? Have we, we told them? No. Should we not? Well, we have to tell them now. Duh, no. You know what? Fuck it. We're not telling you. Something with Stranger Things is happening. Yeah, Stranger Things are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stranger than this. Yeah. But anyways, yes, watch The Watcher. Yeah, that's that's next on my list. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got opinions. We'll talk about it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it too much unless you've watched it, because I don't want to, like, give it away. No, 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 don't. Or bias yeah. your point of view. There's so many, like, cool Halloween-y stuff that's coming out right around now, because I started watching yeah. Mid- Midnight Club. Um, okay. I, I'm curious yeah. about that one. Yeah. Okay. I'm, like, halfway through it, because, again, I had to stop to watch Stranger Things, because I was behind. And mandatory. Then, mandatory. Um, <laughs> 28 Days Haunted. Have you okay. seen that? No, I have the not, but it's, it popped up and I, w- I was curious, yeah. It's like kind of about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because so the trailer I saw, excited. I was just like, ah, oh, this kind of seems like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so much stuff. I just love this time of year. Everything. The all scary this stuff. Is, this is like Haley's time to shine, honestly. <laughs> I, I have to, actually I have two costumes for Halloween. Of course you do. Yeah. I was I like, expect nothing I got else. invited to another like Halloween party. So I was dressing up for the Friday and then the Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then I got invited to another Halloween party on the Saturday. Everyone's and I like, we got to like, invite Haley. She goes all out. And my, and yeah. And my friend was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to think of another costume. And he's like, you don't have to, like you could wear like the same one that you're wearing to one of the other parties. I was like, no, I want, I want to, I want to have three no, different mandatory. costumes. And he was like, oh, okay. If you want to, but I haven't thought of a third one yet. So okay. I'll see. I might wear the Witcher one to his party as well because I think a lot of people. Yeah. Like I know he watches The Witcher, so okay. So then that's like that. That one might yeah, might work. But that's true. You got to cater. But to I the right do audience. love like the, when there were years that I could like fit in like three different costumes. Like I, I, I love. love it. It's true. Haley goes all. I out, love guys. multiple she goes, costumes, and she makes her costumes. I do actually. Yeah. She doesn't just go and buy a pre-made costume. She does it like she does the thing. I have to give Hillary credit. She helped me make my costume. On Saturday. Okay. Because she's a sewing wizard. She is. Yeah. She is. So we went to Fabricland and we, we made me oh, like a skirt. Oh, so you went to Hillary's fantasy world? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It I've, was... I've gone to Fabricland with her before. It's a different Hillary that It was very out. funny because um, they were taught, the one lady was really trying hard to sell me like the membership, which is like, yo, I come here like once like, every six years. No, I mean, and I come with the membership yeah. like epitome of this place. And I turned like... to Hillary when we left. I was like, if anyone would have a membership here, it would be you and you don't even have one. She's like, no. She's like, I used to though. <laughs> She's like, probably, like, I had to cancel. I had to go to, like, rehab for Pepperland. Yes. Like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I'll post pictures. We'll, we'll post we'll them post on them. socials. And yeah. I promise, guys, she's not going to win the, cost- the costume contest. No, there's she's, no way. She's not allowed. I'm not allowed. Because then nobody else would win. <laughs> I honestly probably would, would, wouldn't even have. I feel like some of you are going to have, like, sweet costumes. I'm excited yeah. to see them. Hopefully you guys actually send them in. Send us. Yeah. Them. For, I hope, yeah. It's too late now. Well, yeah, don't do it now. If, if you're listening to this today, you know what? Actually, yeah, if you're listening to this t- today and you didn't participate, you won't win anything, but we still want to see. We still want to see them. Yeah. 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 Forever. Even if you're listening to this yeah. in four years, send, send them. We love Halloween costumes. Just do it. Always. 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 Y- y'all can check out my Instagram and see all my past Halloween costumes because they're all on there. Yeah. They're trickled throughout. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's good stuff. She's got good ones on there. All right, we only have two orders of business mm-hmm. to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so first up, we're welcoming today. Well, we're welcoming two patrons, but I'm gonna I'm giving them two separate moments of sunshine here because they're both 
Not that all of our patrons aren't very important, but these are two people I know personally outside of like the patron world. So yeah, yeah we know them. Yeah. So first up, okay, he asked me to do this. So maybe now that I've said that, it's going to be a little less funny, but uh, welcome Lloyd Vir- Virgil Christmas. I'm just kidding. Tyler Mayhew. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I want to see who gets it. <laughs> so basically, if you got that joke, you're awesome. If you didn't get that joke, not so awesome. That's okay, though. But I wanted to shout out his business, Only One Skate. So Tyler has like a whole like skateboard business. I wish I was like some kind of skater so I could like actually do better justice to talking about his business. Mm-hmm. I'll yeah, say this I much. I have one of his sweaters. They're great. <laughs> there you go. You need it's my skateboard. Green, you can get a sweater. It's my green sweater that all the girls always compliment. I know. It's, it's the best sweater. Mm-hmm. It is the best sweater. So, yeah. Welcome, Ty. Thank you so much for joining. We love you. You're the best. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Um, and then our next patron is also someone very near and dear to my heart, Fiona Stevenson. She is a fellow knitting buddy. We work together at Unwind and she's Yay. a phenomenal knitter. She's the best. She also teaches a lot of classes. So if you ever want to learn how to knit, don't ask me. Go ask Fiona. She'll do classes. I won't. I have zero patience for teaching anybody that aren't, like, my circle of friends. Because <laughs> I can't, like, yell at people I don't know. Yeah, I understand. I can yell at you, no problem. <laughs> yeah, smacks me around. It just punched you a little bit. So well, we hi, actually, Fiona. Thanks for joining. Yes, thank you, Fiona. But I wanted to say this. We have a feud. Who? We have a feud. Me, me and you? No. Oh. <laughs> we have a feud between patrons. Oh. So, so here's the feud. Okay. So, you know how we welcomed Anjali with the good hair? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Anjali wanted to say to Fiona, ha ha, I beat you, neener, neener, neener. <laughs> <laughs> so, she be her becoming a patron? Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. that's oh. Anjali because she found out that Fiona was like, oh, well, I didn't realize Anjali had signed up, so she beat me to it. And, you know, Fiona was pissed. So there's a feud. So Fiona, what's your rebuttal to that? We we need to keep this going. <laughs> yeah, some, the people want to know. I need some hot gossip at work. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We so love both of you. Thank you guys you both are both for amazing. joining. Yep. Love and you guys. Tyler. Awesome. Love it. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. And if you ever want to become a patron and start your own feud with another patron, we love that. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Only if it's all in good fun. Oh, it has to be in good fun. It can't be, like, actually, like, scary Everyone's got to have a sense of humor, okay? Yes. Yes. We only take hilarious feuds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We only take the funniest of feuds. <laughs> all right. Okay. 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 Let's get into it. Haley, we, you're off. We got a doozy. Yes. Here. Yes. And we got a lots to discuss. So this is okay. going to be two parts, which you guys probably already know by now from the title. part one, yeah. But <laughs> this, is a, this is another installment of the Bleeding London series. Yep. Yep. This is, it's going to be two parts. So obviously you, I'm sure you guys are assuming that it's, it's a big, it's a big one. It's a big case. It's not that Jackie English is any more, you know, important or loved or cared for than any of the other victims. It's just, this case has so much information, Mm -hmm. just so, so, so much. Whereas some of the other cases just didn't, just did, don't have enough information even to have like a full episode. That's why sometimes I group them together because some of them, unfortunately, like a lot of people, family members and stuff have continued investigating and things like that. But sometimes information just just isn't out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's fewer witnesses or just fewer accounts and fewer things that happened and timelines and stuff. So this case is very, very heavy with details, loads of witnesses, loads of family members and friends involved. Like, and again, it's 
I mentioned this way back at the beginning of the Bleeding London series, but Becky and I obviously know being from London, but London is such a weird small town vibe kind of place where like everybody kind of yeah. knows everyone. It's not like a small town, like a thousand people and you literally are best friends with everyone. It's just like... Word gets around. Yeah, like you it's, always, you're always like one degree of separation away from everybody. Exactly. You, know? you might not know the person directly, but you know a person that knows them. And you've heard about them. Yeah, and this yeah. is like, I mean, London's four hundred thousand now, but again, yeah. back then when this was happening, London was like a hundred and sixty thousand people. So yeah. it was kind of what it feels like now, times ten. Yeah, we're just like there's so many close connections and so many weird it's, yeah connections. It, it's weird for it being like the size that it is. And having that small town feel because like exactly that's London's, what makes it weird. Yeah, like for example, when I moved to Newmarket, everyone was like, "Oh, you're moving to the big city." I was like, "No, Newmarket's like one street in comparison to London." Like, yeah, size wise. Yeah, London's actually grown to be quite a large city, but yeah. it's just it's maintained those sort of small town roots. Yeah, and a lot of people that are from here have been here a long time. True, and their families have been here a long time, so mm-hmm. that kind of plays a role too. But yeah, this is this is. We're going down the rabbit hole here. Okay. I have to I'm just ready. say, um, I've been using Murder City and the Forest City Killer as my, I've mentioned before, like my Bibles for this series, but. And just Bibles in general, because they're your yeah, favorite books. So. They're amazing. <laughs> that needs to be on um, And, uh, but the Forest City Killer, Vanessa Brown did a lot, a lot of a research lot. on Jackie English. I think in the book, she said she researched this case for like four years. Holy fuck. Probably, I would imagine probably longer by the end of it, but like she made a lot of personal connections wow. with some of the people involved in this case. She interviewed a lot of the people personally. Wow. Um, not that Michael Arnfield didn't. It's just that his book is more like a broad, a broader overview of all of the all of the victims and all of the cases that I have discussed and will discuss in the future. Um, and he looks at it more from like a criminological perspective okay. as well too. So like a- analyzing it in that way that I've kind of broken down in previous episodes. Right. But even with saying that, like his Jackie English portion is like 30 pages, which is significant for his, some of like the other cases are like, like two or three pages. Yeah. Right. So it just goes to show how much information there is out there. But the forest city killer is very, centered around the Jackie English case. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff in there. And I just want to say that, like, as long as these two episodes are going to be, I'm barely scratching the surface. Jesus, like, really? Okay. Yeah, there is so much that I just can't include. One, because it would take forever. It would be, like, yeah. five parts. And two, because you should just go and read the book. Yeah. Like, it's so, so well written. Vanessa Brown is such an amazing writer. What I think we should do then in, in the show notes for this and the next part is link... Because Vanessa has a bookstore here in London. Is that correct? She does. Yeah. Yeah, So maybe we'll link to her bookstore so you can get both books. Potentially, if she has Murder City there, I'd imagine she does. I would imagine she probably does. I'm going to assume. I'm going to go out on that assumption and say she has it. (laughs) Or she could get it for you, probably. Yeah. Get both books from her bookstore, please. Yeah. um, Brown and Dixon. Yeah. Yeah. I just went in for the first time, actually, and I got a book. (laughs) No, you did. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know you've been like wanting to go in. Yeah. Okay. She wasn't there. Um, Her partner, Jason, was there, and he was like absolutely lovely. He was so nice. We had a nice chat. I want to go in there now. Yeah. And they have like open mic nights, and they have little like concerts and like poetry readings and stuff, and like little lectures. We should like, do our first live have... show there. I'm putting it into the universe. I Vanessa, know. if you ever happen to thought, listen to I this. I thought about that. I was like, that would be so cool. Okay, Vanessa, like, if you ever listen, please just like let us. <laughs> well, who knows? We might. I know. Don't say it yet. Don't say it yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, no, it's a great bookstore. If you're in London or if yeah. you're ever passing through Brown and Dixon, it's on Richmond. It's like, it's really cute. It's awesome. They have a lot of cool stuff in there. Sweet. Um, but yeah, she's an incredible 
incredible writer. And it feels very, like I said, Murder City is more of like the criminological perspective. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in that, there's a lot of like sciencey breakdown of like, and stats and things like that, that like, and I love that. The Forest City Killer feels like very Like an emotional, like almost like a diary. Yeah, like she really, really does a good job of capturing the emotions of what these families and friends were feeling so necessary. at that time. So she yeah. does all of the victims justice because she doesn't just talk about Jackie English. She talks about like a lot of victims like Georgia Jackson and um, a lot of people that I'll cover later too. Um, Frankie Jensen and Jacqueline Dunleavy, like all of these tie together. So because she's yeah. she has a theory about that and we'll get to that when I'm done the Bleeding London series. But she just does an amazing job of really like yeah, pulling out that emotion and, and doing justice yeah. for the victims. She does yeah. a really good job of that. And that's so all that matters to us. I would just say so. if you if you find this case interesting, don't think that I've told you everything because yeah. I've there's more. <laughs> yeah, like maybe half yeah. <laughs> of the details. Yeah, because I just couldn't include everything. But I'll do okay. my best to keep it coherent because there's a lot of you got this twists got and turns this. in this one. You got this, man. So I believe in you. Thank you. Deep breaths. Thank you. Deep breaths. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Jackie English. We, the case, well, I'm not going to like start in any sort of particular year, but basically she's from, she was from London. She lived in London her whole life for the most part. Um, They moved to London when she was really young. They lived at 55 Euclid Ave when she was a child, which is kind of in, like, Worley Village area. Yes. And then they moved to 133 Elmwood Ave, which is also in, like, right in the dead center of Worley Village. So Worley Village in London, for those of you that don't know, is... the nicest place on earth. It's Yeah. (laughs) It's actually been named, like, one of the nicest neighborhoods in Canada multiple times. Yeah. It it literally is, like, what it sounds. It's like a little village, almost, like, in the middle of the city. And it has, like cute little pubs and cafes and like grocery store like my elementary school was there like I went I went to elementary school there for 10 years I forgot that that yeah yeah so the funny part is that where Jacqueline or Jackie most people call her Jackie English um moved to with her family 133 Elmwood Ave because I I look a lot of these places up because it's in London so I want to know exactly where they are in space and time yeah yeah I need to (laughs) orient myself in space and time exactly um so my elementary school, St. Martin's, had, like, the playground and the schoolyard and everything. Right. And then, and it was on Duchess Ave, which is one street south yep. of Elmwood. So, but then at the back of the um, schoolyard, there was, like, a little gate. And you could walk into, like, the parking lot where the teachers parked their cars. Yes. And that parking lot drove out onto Elmwood. Okay. Okay. So that, I think I'm able to visualize this. Yeah. So when I Google map, like, 133 Elmwood Ave, yeah. it's that parking lot. Okay. So there used to be a building there, like a very large, almost like old house looking building. And it was divided up into multiple different apartments. Oh, okay. That's where they lived. Okay. And it's, it's not it's just a lot now. It's a parking lot now because okay. I will get to why it's not there anymore. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. So they lived at oh. 133 Elmwood. Um, they moved there sometime in late 1968. Jackie okay. would have been about 14 years old. Okay. She went to South Secondary School. Okay. Um, and South was really close to where my apartment building was. Yeah. On, yeah. Yeah. On yeah Grand, I could like right? see it through my window. Yeah. 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 That's a nice. That's just a little nice tidbit. Book. That's all. Um. So yeah, the English family moved to London when Jackie and her siblings were very young, um, when their mother Doris had left their father Walter. So Walter was apparently a bit of a gambler, 
And, like, Doris kept saying he would gamble all their money away. So she was like, screw this, I'm leaving. That's not good. Walter was a traveling salesman, so he wasn't really around much, but he would stop in from time to time and just, like, stay with the family and, like, see his kids. Okay. stop in to like take his kids somewhere or something yeah. like that so like they did see him but he wasn't like around like a their mother figure yeah. yeah their mother was like their main source of, like, of parenting yeah yeah okay. um jackie's sister Anne said that her their mother when they were young was really affectionate and maternal and like fun she's like she has a lot of memories of them you know being little kids and having like tea parties with their mom and like playing That's with sweet. dolls and stuff yeah. and like very very loving but she said at some point she doesn't really know what changed or what happened, but Doris became very cold and distant and sort of unaffectionate, and she never really sort of... Clarified why? She They never knew why, and she never really sort of, like, quote-unquote, went back to the way she was before. Okay. She kind of just, like, remained that way for the rest the of rest. her time. Okay. And and Anne doesn't know. She's like, I assume something happened, but I was just too young, and I don't, I don't know yeah. what it was, but she changed. Yeah. And sometimes um, when you're a kid, you're just kind of, like, oblivious to what your parents are going through. Like, of course, you, you right? They're no not going to talk to you about it. No. So Doris started moving them around a lot, like, moving to different apartments, like, moving schools. Um, and the kids never really knew why. It seemed like they were sort of, like, like, Doris had a pretty decent job. And so Anne always felt like they could have lived in better places. Like, they could have afforded to live in better places. But Doris, like, almost, like, was Chose. purposely trying to find like run down like dumpy places hmm. like i wonder if that was only... like i wonder if maybe she was just trying to make like a smart financial move to like save maybe maybe but okay. like Anne kind of described it as like it seemed like she was on a mission to find like the dumpiest place that we could oh okay interesting and so like i don't know yeah you're right like i don't know in her head maybe like that's seemed like it could have been a financial choice but okay. again Anne was a child and never like you really can save knew. money without being like let's go here where everyone's gonna get like i don't know bed bugs or something yeah, like, like i mean yeah who knows yeah. but um the summer of 1969 was kind of where this story sort of starts not jackie's story because she was you know, a 14, 15-year-old girl. She had her whole life. But really is where, like, a lot of things changed for her. Okay. Because she was... So she turned 15, I believe. I have it somewhere here, like, in April or something okay. like that. April of 69, then? Yeah. Okay. So summer of 1969, she was 15. And her sister Anne had moved away to live with her fiancé in Hamilton. And Anne was only a year older. So Anne was okay. 16. Okay. Jackie was 15. Their younger brother, Fred, was 14. Okay. Um, Jackie's mom, Doris, wasn't really around a ton because she worked a lot. Okay. Um, but Jackie and her brother Fred and, like, Anne as well, they kind of were used to sort of, like, taking care of themselves a bit. Yeah. Because they're, they had a single mom. Like, yeah. she had to work a lot, yeah. right? And especially, like, that generation, too, especially for single parents, like, it, it's latchkey kid yeah. generation. Yeah. Like, for 100%. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was sort it sounded sort of like a, almost like an everybody pulls their weight kind yeah. of family. Yeah. Like, as soon as the English kids were old enough to work, they were required to pay $15 yeah. a week to their mother for room and board. Um, okay. They they were very independent kids for their age, basically, okay. it sounds like. Um, and, and they were, it sounds like they were eager to work as well. So Jackie's mom got her a job in April of that year, right around her 15th birthday, at a restaurant called the Latin Quarter. And Doris... That's not still around, is it? No, okay. it's not. 
Um, Doris also worked there, apparently. Like, that was one of her jobs. Okay. Um, so she got Jackie a job there. I think she just worked in the back. Like, I think, I think she was, like, a salad girl or something like okay, that. Or cool. dishwashing. Yeah. Um, but it was a nice restaurant. Like, it was a little it bit of a... It sounds fancy. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> when I heard it, I was like, mm, I seem to remember, like, my parents talk about the first time they went to Europe when they were in Paris, that they stayed in the Latin Quarter of okay. Paris. So oh. I think it's, like, an area... Like a neighborhood almost or yeah. a section of, and I'm wondering if maybe it was named after that. Inspired. Like maybe it's a French restaurant. I don't yeah. know. Since but London d- stole everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like if you uh, don't know already. <laughs> well, I just found out we have a Zurich. We have a Zurich, Ontario. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know yeah. that. I knew we had a Paris. Yeah. And you know, everything else like Cornwall and Cambridge, all Waterloo, everything, stolen. right? Yeah. <laughs> Thieves, I tell no, you. No, we have a Latin Quarter. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Ours is uh, better, I swear. <laughs> yeah. Better French food than Paris, <laughs> I would imagine. Oh, for sure. Um, (laughs) so she got her job there. It was a nice restaurant downtown on Maple Street between Richmond and Talbot. So Maple Street is now Dufferin. Oh, so yeah. We have a different Maple Street somewhere else now, don't we? Or am I just... I don't know. I Googled it and it didn't come up. And that's why I went back and then it said in the notes of the book, it said it's now Dufferin. So I'm sure we have a Maple like road or app or something. I'm just crazy. Ignore me. I'll stop. I'll stop. (laughs) <laughs> I'll just get out. I'm gonna leave. But you, but you, I, you, you know, can, you know where it is. I know now. Exactly. You can orient yourself in space and time. I'm oriented. We're there. So, um, yeah. So Jackie was working there as a salad girl in the kitchen, and I mean, we all kind of remember our first job, right? Where, like, I remember when I was a yeah. teenager, I got my first job, and like the feeling of having my own money and kind oh, of like having bing, that bing. freedom you know what <laughs> yeah. i'm saying where yeah. you're like i can buy this yep. shirt and like no one can tell me no because yep. i made it like i made the money myself oh, yeah. this is my own money 100%. you know i know exactly that feeling and it sounds yeah. like she was no different like she was so excited to have money of her own yeah for the first time um and also i feel like you know i i do remember getting my first job and it's sort of like when you're like a teenager you don't have a like you don't really have a lot of expenses right like no. she had to pay her mom for room and board but then yeah. aside from that like she didn't have a car no. like she didn't have you know what i'm saying like she have like bills so most of yeah. your most of your money is just sort of like your Disposable. own so you kind of feel like like On you said like yeah. rich like yeah. make oh, it you saw rain. the hand gesture yeah. <laughs> yeah so i think that's really what she was what what she was feeling like um and as well, this was the first time other than, like, she had really worked other than maybe babysitting. And so this is the first time she was working with people older than her and also working with, like, boys. Okay. You know? Okay. So she kind of, she was a really, really, like, pretty young girl. Okay. She was confident. She was bubbly. Like, she was smart. Well, she sounds lovely. She Yeah. Like, the way people describe her, it just sounds like she always had a smile on her face, was just, like, like just radiated. Sunshine and yeah. happiness. Like, just was oh. amazing. But also, like, was, like, a bit stubborn and, like, held her own. You Those know? are the best people. Like, yeah. Like, Those she are the best. just she sounds, sounds incredible. Like, and, it's, and a lot of people said she was just, she seemed a lot older than she was yeah. for, like, the age that she was. Um, so yeah. she, there was a, she had a lot of attention from like men. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. like the guys that worked at the restaurant were all like, she's really cute. Like, you know, yeah. she's 15, but like we all, again, like yeah. I do understand when you're a teenager and then you're kind of starting to get this attention from like older men yeah. and you're sort of like, oh, I'm growing up. I'm a yeah. woman now, you know? Oh, yeah. And, like I, for, I even remember my first job. I won't say where it was cause I don't want this person to get like in trouble, but like. I probably was like 14 as well and got attention from an older guy. I fucking loved it at the time. Of course. I look back now and I'm like, that was 
scary. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely <laughs> creepy looking back on it yes. now. Oh, for but sure. But in the moment, but in the I was moment, like, you're like, this oh, is incredible. Like, this is attention. Like, yes. I'm this woman. But it's like, no, I'm actually like a baby. <laughs> yeah, but it yeah. makes you feel On top of the world, And it makes yeah. you feel like yeah. the way it sounds like for her, like people were just drawn to her. Yeah. And especially men. So I think it sort of, yeah, made her feel like she had like even like power in a way. Like, yeah. not in a malicious way, but just like, like like I, she had I something that people like, wanted. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that's just it's something to keep in mind, but it's just something I wanted to point out. Is like I, I very much understand kind of where it seems like she was in her life. Yeah, you know, because like again, her, most her of us have been state. there. Yeah. Um, and once again, she was making money and stuff, so she like she loved clothes. She wanted to go out and buy like bright colored clothes and like oh. stand out and like. Find her identity like, and like, find her yeah, style. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. So she fit in really well at the Latin Quarter, um, even though she was younger than most of the staff. But again, she she very much held her own there. Some of the men who worked there lived in the Downs apartments next door. So okay. John and Dorothy Downs owned the Latin Quarter, and they also owned these apartments that they rented out mostly to, like, the staff members. Okay. Because it was just right next door to the work, like, where they worked. Um, so after finishing their shifts, a lot of the staff would like go over to the apartments after, you know what it's like after work, right? Like eat, drink, like listen to music. Cause again, a lot of them were older, right? So they would have some beers and whatever. And like, probably just like, you know, flirt and stuff. And you're like hanging out with all these like, yeah, having a beer or two, like young people, but also they were older than her. So she was, she probably felt like this is cool, you know? Um, yeah. So they were, the apartments kind of sounded like they were almost like a party like a party house for the staff yeah, and like stuff, a little party right? headquarters, yeah. So one night in July, Jackie was at one of the parties and she was offered a beer. Um, and she had one and then she had a few more. And it sounds like this was kind of like the first time she like got drunk. Okay. You know? Yeah. Again, we remember that too. Yeah. Um, oh God. yeah. So <laughs> there was a... So David Palpel was the 19-year-old apprentice chef who worked at the Latin Quarter. Okay. And him and Jackie had become quite close. Um it's unclear whether I'm not sure whether they were like dating at this time, but it sounds like he was almost like courting her. Okay, if that makes sense. Like they were okay. flirting. And how old did you say he was? Nineteen. Okay, so courting or grooming? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like yeah. it's weird, but like as a fifteen-year-old, if I was it. getting the attention mm-hmm. of a cute nineteen-year-old dude, yeah. That I would not have questioned. Yeah, I can now constantly no say way. when I was 15, most of the guys I dated were like 19. Yeah, yeah. 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 So again, it sounds, we know <laughs> yes. that that's like, mm. we know that. But at the time, you can't, like, it's. But it's, I don't blame, I don't blame, I don't blame her, her for it. Oh my God, no, not that's, at all. I was that's the, the same thing, exact right? way. Yeah. yeah. So apparently she got drunk. Dave took her over to his apartment. Um, he later told police that she took off her clothes and got into his bed and went to sleep. And that they didn't have intercourse that night. Okay. Unfortunately, I don't know if I believe him um, because later Anne, Jackie's sister, would read her diary um, and and it had an entry about this night. Jackie said she was carried into the bedroom. Her clothes were taken off. She faked tears. Okay. So I don't know. I'm going to just have to believe her. Like, yeah. And there was another employee, Greg Carter, who had come over to check on Jackie. And he claims later, this was a statement made later, that he walked in on David and Jackie both naked in bed together. Okay. I, then I 100% wholeheartedly believe her. Like there's no change in my mind. So it, it, to me, it sounds a lot like she was a bit like taken advantage of. 100%. Um, Yeah. But her sister, Anne, this is so sad too, but she 
it kind of says in the book that she read it and like didn't think that anything was out of the ordinary because like she had had a similar experience the summer and prior just, and was like oh yeah it, that happens to everybody and that is that's i think that's the saddest part is oh, that's so sad that is a lot of people's experiences that's also a lot of people's first experiences with alcohol and with like a partner yeah unfortunately that's yeah. the saddest truth but that is kind of the way it goes yeah which yeah so again yeah. we know that that's so so wrong but yeah. i think it, just to point it out as far as like it, it, it's not that Anne, shocking it's to not read. yeah like, like Anne and even jackie herself probably just didn't think anything of it and that's i that's probably why she just kind of like went on and continued with her yeah her life and the and the things that she was doing because i just don't think she was she didn't seem like extremely traumatized by it yeah. because again she probably just convinced herself it was normal yeah um so so yeah so that's kind of why like i when her and david start dating and everything like they do date at some point mm-hmm. again i don't know exactly when that started but it's just one of those things where it's like if any of you are listening like why the fuck would you date that guy but it's like she probably just figured that's what boyfriends and girlfriends do yeah you know so yeah. she's she did start dating david um it's unclear whether things were actually exclusive or if, like, just David thought that they were exclusive. Because according to Jackie's diary, she she was getting attention from, like, quite a few different guys. And it sounds like she was just Girl, sort of do like, you. I'm not going to be tied down. Like, yeah. I'm going to go on dates with, like, yeah. a dude that asks me out. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So she, yeah, she had gone on dates with, like, a couple of other people other than David during that summer. Okay. So... Again, I don't know if it's like they didn't have the conversation or he just assumed that well, she wasn't seeing anybody else. I don't she, care. Jackie sounds like a badass. She was. Get, yeah. <laughs> go get it, girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, she, yeah, she was enjoying earning her own income and was eager to make more. So she got another job. Okay. At the Metropolitan Store Restaurant on Wellington Road. Okay. So the Metropolitan Store and Restaurant were part of a plaza called Treasure Island. So it was located, um, it's basically when you're driving south on Wellington and you go over the overpass mm-hmm. from uh, over the 401 and then you get to like the Costco's on the right hand side, yeah. it would have been on the left. So it would have been like a huge plaza where now there's like oh, McDonald's yeah. and even like a little bit further back, like behind yeah. the overpass, it sounds like it was almost like all in there. Yes. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So it was like a whole thing with like a department, the Metropolitan had a department store with like sold clothes and like discount clothes and stuff. And then they okay. had a restaurant as well. Okay. Um, and then apparently there was also the London Gardens, which was like a stadium. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that might be the velodrome now. I'm not sure. I don't know what there's it's like called There's like a velodrome now, right there. But I think... They, that's also where they would have, like, a, it was, like, a skating rink occasionally. Yeah, and, like, and that's, that, I and, think that's the velodrome. Okay, yeah, because, yeah. like, I remember, like, my Nana, like, used to take me to, like, different, like, stars on ice, but it wasn't, like, stars yes. on ice. It yeah. was just, like, London stars on ice, and, like, we yeah. would go there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so okay. that's, that was the London Gardens, so they would have hockey games and concerts yeah. and stuff, whatever. So the Metropolitan, like, that plaza was super busy. And also, yeah. the Wellington, that, like, Wellington Exeter, Wellington Southdale, like, area was, like, the shopping district, because White Oaks Mall wasn't there yet, but there was still, True. like, a ton of department stores all kind of in that area. Yeah. So it was super busy, and it was right off the 401. So they got loads of business from people driving through and truckers and and whatever and stuff. So she um, got a job at the Metropolitan Store restaurant. um, And yeah, she she was, again, like she loved having her own money. So she wanted to get another job and make more money, which again, I know me and you understand. Oh my God. Because me and Becky had multiple jobs (laughs) from like... Out of like all of our friends, I feel like you and me, like growing up in like in high school, we were the ones that always had like at least one job. Usually two or three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course. Like, because again, we were like, 
I, yeah. I like making money. Yeah. Do you like money? I like yeah. money. <laughs> and also, neither of us can sit still that long. No, of course. Like, we both think we're very chill people, but, like, at the same time, like, we need to do something. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to be moving around anyways. So yeah. I'm get paid <laughs> I for might as well it. fucking get paid yeah. <laughs> So she started her first shift um, at the Met. People called it the Met, I guess. So I'm just going to call it oh, that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we Met. just rip everything yeah. off then. <laughs> um, the, she started her first shift at the Met on September 2nd. On September 15th, the English family, so Jackie and her mom Doris and her younger brother Fred, moved from 133 Elmwood Ave to a bit of a nicer place. Okay. Um, an apartment on 129 Kent Street. Okay. So this was downtown between Talbot and Richmond, and it was parallel to Dufferin, but one street north. I think I know where this is. Yeah, I think I know yeah. what that is. Yeah, like it's it's right downtown. Yeah, and so the building was also owned by Johnny Downs, who owned okay. the Latin Quarter. Okay, so oh, it this was guy just, fucking owns everything. Yeah, so it was just a block away from where the Downs apartments were, where all the Latin okay. Quarter staff lived. Yeah, so she was just like a block away Walking now from distance. yeah, like David, her boyfriend, and like the rest of the staff yeah. and her work and everything. So the apartments were all separate, but apparently they had shared bathrooms. So I don't know what the setup was actually like. Like, I don't know if you had your separate, like, bedroom and a separate living room or if it was just, like, bedrooms and people had shared bathrooms. I don't know. But it was just, okay. it sounds like it was a collection of little apartments and just had shared bathrooms. But apparently, according to Jackie's mom, it was still, like, a lot nicer than the place they were living okay. at on Higher. Elmwood. Yeah. Which is so funny now because, again, like, Old South is such a, like, uppity neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Like, because like, I so think expensive. Old South and I'm like, oh, you're a billionaire. Yeah. But apparently <laughs> it was, like... It's still nice back then, but, like, uh, apparently the rent was cheap in Old South. Yeah. So well, that's I mean, why, like, the yeah. Elmwood apartments were sort of, like, not, like, uh, like kind of run down. Well, and even, like, some, okay. like, iffy characters there, and There stuff. are still some, like, small, small, like, walk-up apartment buildings in and around Old South that, like, I'll drive by and I'd be like, I wouldn't rent there. Yeah. But then next door it'll be, like, a house where it's, like, is, that's going to go for $2 million at least. Yeah. It's it's kind of interesting. Like, but, it's it's a safe neighborhood, but it's, like, yeah, you're right. There are some. Yeah. And it's just a lot of old houses and stuff, yeah. too. So, you know. Yeah. You can get that. But, so, yeah, apparently this place was nicer, even though it had the shared bathrooms. But eventually, very shortly after they moved, Jackie ended up renting a separate room of her own. Because she oh. had all this, you know, like this income and everything. Look and at her go. Fuck. Yeah. So on, so she lives, still lived in the same building as her mom and brother, but just I feel, in a you know what, room. You know what I feel like right now? Is this weird to say, but I feel like you're describing my life. Yeah, I know. Because you like, moved into like your apartment yeah. in the same building as yeah. where you lived with your mom. Just but like then, everything like, so far has been yeah. like, this kind of sounds like my story. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I know. It's, well, and yeah, because yeah. she... She, she again she pulled her weight yeah right so yeah. that's Damn, that's I'm, something that i'm really identifying with her yeah right now. yeah i feel her <laughs> so on october 1st she told david that she had dropped out of high school okay because she was making a lot of money working full-time yeah. and um she didn't see the benefit of going back to school okay apparently like but that i don't was know like normal for the time like a lot it's of people 1969 did like, it's like different it wasn't i don't think it was mandatory to finish high school the same way so. it is now like and I understand for someone in her position where it's like, I have to work to like support my family and my little brother yeah. and everything and myself. And, and also keep up with the lifestyle. Like, if I keep doing myself. this forever, then this is fine. Like, I don't necessarily need an education to get a better job. She was and making good money. Exactly. Like if, and if you're happy with, with the way things are, then that's, that's totally fine. Yeah. Apparently there was like, I think at some point I read that David was trying to convince her to go back to school. I'm not sure, but he, she definitely said like not to tell her mom. Cause I think it, it was implied yeah. that her mom would maybe be upset, but okay. she at this point wasn't really going, she hadn't gone back to self-secondary school right okay. um 
So this brings us to October 4th. Okay. On October 4th, Jackie went to David's apartment around noon. Around 2, they got on the bus to head to St. Joseph's Hospital to visit Jackie's mom, Doris, because she had just been admitted for surgery. She was undergoing surgery. It didn't say what kind, but okay. so she was going to be staying there for a little while. Okay. Doris would later recount that she felt like Jackie was a bit out of sorts or like off Not a bit. Not herself, okay. Um, but we don't know if that's just more like a retroactive perspective oh, or oh, when i look back i think yeah yeah or so, if maybe even like doris had just got out of surgery and she also wasn't necessarily fully back from like anesthesia i don't know if she had had the surgery yet, oh okay. but she was okay. admitted for surgery it was unclear as to when she had it but she okay. might have had it but she yeah it, any of those possibilities but jackie basically said she didn't want to go into her shift at the met that night um like i think she just didn't feel like going into work i don't think there was any sort of like I, i'm afraid to go into work yeah. Or anything like that. But it's like, I don't really want to go into work I think tonight. she was just like, yeah, I just don't feel like it. And her mom was like, you should go. Like, you know, you, you made a, a job, commitment. You have, you have a, a job, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So she went. Um, David would later state that um, he didn't think Jackie was acting weird in any sort of way. But he said they went back to his apartment. They hung out for a while. And according to his statement to the police later, he said they had sex that afternoon. Okay. That will come into play later. Okay. So David had a shift at the Latin Quarter at 4.30. So Jackie walked out um, with him and like kissed him goodbye. And remember, they lived right next to the restaurant, right? So he just kind of like walked into work. Um, she stopped and chatted to another co-worker. His name was Paul St. Kerr. Okay. I think that's how you would say it. It's C-Y-R. Okay, St. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Um, so he, he offered her a ride yeah. to, to the Met, but she said she already had one. Apparently, a neighbor a few minutes later saw her get into a cab, though. To- you know what, though? I might also turn down a ride from a guy if I don't really want to spend some time alone in a car with him. And that's and then- kind of what, like, the speculation is. But also... Or the ride later. Later, it will... Yeah, like, later it will come... Like, we'll talk about Paul. And, like, it sounds like they were friends. Okay. But it could be, like, they were friends and maybe Jackie thought he was interested in her and she, like, didn't want to encourage that. I don't okay. know. Like, yeah. it sounds like there wasn't anything going on at all. It yeah. sounds like they were friends because they worked together. But, um, yeah, apparently she got into a cab. She went off to work. Saturday nights were always busy at the restaurant, but there was an event going on at the London Gardens. So it was, like, extra busy, apparently. Okay. Jackie's coworker, um, recalled that the police – to the police that Jackie seemed – off a little bit that she like wasn't smiling to any of the patrons and that she like didn't hardly spoke to anybody and like just wasn't herself at all weird okay um she really seemed like she kind of had something on her mind but again this is like a retroactive statement so okay who's to say there will be some other statements from other people later okay. but the and restaurant then I'm wondering, like is she like worried like about her mom having surgery like is could that be. something weighing it on it could her be mom? a million okay. things right okay. or like maybe she had like a weird argument with dave or something like yeah. i don't know right so the restaurant closed at 10 like she always worked the 5 to 10 shift most of the time people would drive home or get a ride with like fellow employees like right. they would all carpool or something yeah. like that because the city buses didn't reach as far as the met so the closest bus stop yeah um especially at night so apparently during the day it would go over the overpass but but at night you had to walk across the overpass and go catch the bus at wellington and exeter yep do you know what i'm talking about yeah and i was even gonna say i feel like the buses still don't really go over the overpass no yeah Yeah. 
Apparently back then, they during the day, they would go over, yeah. the, but I don't think any of them go over the overpass. I don't think any of them do because I no. remember in high school when I wanted to get a job at Costco because like I had an in mm -hmm. and the bus didn't go. Mm -hmm. And like both me and my mom were like, well, like I can't drive you to every single shift. So like, yeah. no. Yeah. So the farthest it will go is Wellington and Exeter, I yeah. think. And like, you and know, my lazy ass is not walking. Yeah, and that's like <laughs> it's when you look at it on a map, it doesn't look that far, but it, it actually is kind of a far. It would walk. be probably like a thirty minute walk. Yeah, it could be for yeah. sure. And so most people again like drove together and stuff. Um, and that late at night, the bus would maybe be coming like twice an hour. Like you know, oh, yeah. like the night buses not here, like not, at all. not no. frequent. And also, like uh, <laughs> it's just not reliable at all. LTC, no. get your They'll shit together. will be like, together. oh, it'll be here in thirty six minutes, and here in like two hours. Yeah. but um, <laughs> it just never comes. <laughs> So accounts from numerous employees say that Jackie left wearing her uniform, okay. which was white with orange stripes. Carrying... Why was that exactly what I was picturing? Yeah. Too? Okay. Yeah. Like okay. 60s kind of like yeah. diner style, right? Yeah. Um, and she was carrying her, um, the dress she was wearing that day, she was carrying it over her arm. So it was a black dress. Okay. The skirt had like white and black checkered, like a checkered oh, pattern cute. on okay. it. Yeah. I know. Just like, even that detail, I'm like, oh, her clothes were probably so cute. Like, she probably had the best fucking taste in like fashion. Ugh. Yeah. She had bought... There was, like, a story in the book about how she had bought this, like, new gray coat. Like, it was, like, one of the more, like, expensive items she had bought since she had started working. Yep. So she was wearing her new gray, like, overcoat. Ugh. She had on pantyhose and brown penny loafers and a beige purse. That sounds like the cutest little outfit ever. I know. She just sounds like, excuse a button. And um, yeah. one of, so one of the Met employees was sitting in the parking lot in her sister's car around 10, 15, 10, 20. She says she saw Jackie walk out the front door walk across the parking lot towards Wellington Road. She said at one point Jackie stopped and stood there for a minute kind of looking around as if she was maybe waiting for someone um, okay. for maybe like half a minute to a minute and then walked towards Wellington Street. And there was another employee who was waiting in a different car for a couple of her co-workers um, and she said the same thing. She said it looked like Jackie was like looking around the parking lot for someone. She said it looked like she was waiting for someone. Otherwise, I would have offered her a ride. But I was like, oh, she must have a ride. Okay. Kind of thing. And that's kind of like the the general consensus. The, the part that kind of sucks about this. It's like it seems very obvious that she was waiting for someone, so no one offered her a ride. That and sucks. then yep. Okay. She just walked and was like, okay, I'm gonna walk to the bus stop over okay. the overpass. Yeah. An employee of um, the Busy Bee Food Market, which was also in Treasure Island, so it was like a supermarket, says that he started walking across the parking lot toward Wellington when he saw Jackie. He saw her approach the Wellington overpass to start, like, walking up it. So mm -hmm. it's unclear. Some of the accounts are a little bit different. It's unclear whether she was on the overpass or she was, like, right at the start About of to, it. Yeah. Um, a car pulled up beside her. The man that was walking from the grocery store said he saw the car's back right door swing open he didn't see jackie exchange words with anyone inside the car before getting in or if they talked like it wouldn't have been for very long so he said it seemed like she knew the person okay like it pulled up and then like she just got in very quickly the door opened and she got in that was his experience that that was what he remembered he said okay. he thought there was more than one person in the car but he wasn't sure and then he said it was dark colored like maybe dark blue or black um, he didn't know the make, but he said it had only two small square-shaped taillights. Okay. At least he was able to, like, identify some part of it, Yeah, right? yeah. Like, pretty, like, pretty specific, actually. Um, yeah. Another witness said he was driving on Wellington Road overpass, on the overpass, at about 10.25 p.m. Okay. South, away from 
the city. Yeah. So he was coming the opposite like the way opposite of where direction. Jackie would have yeah. been walking. She would have been walking north. As he got to the end of the overpass, he noticed a car stopped on the other side of the road, like pulled off on the grass. That's why I'm like, maybe they stopped before, just before the overpass. Okay. Because I'm like, you couldn't pull over on the overpass. Like there's no grass no. there. Right. So yeah. it, mu- it must've been just before. He said there was a male driver, another male sitting in the front middle seat and a third male standing beside an open car door on the right side. He couldn't tell if it was a two or a four door, but one of the doors was open. Okay. He said the one standing outside was leaning against the car talking to a young girl. As this witness was already past the car at this point, like he'd already driven past, he looked in his rearview mirror and he said he saw the man take a step towards the girl and it looked like she took like a half step backwards. Okay. Okay. And then he was kind of like, he was driving past at this point, so then he was gone. Yeah. Um. He said the car was definitely in his words, a 1966 Ford Falcon. Okay. Light or medium blue with one piece wheel discs. I don't know what that, I don't know cars. Okay. He's um, being extremely super specific. specific. I know. He better be fucking right. Otherwise <laughs> I'm going to be furious because we've had that We know how before. this works. I know. We're going <laughs> to, I will say we will hear a lot of different types of cars in this, okay. in this case, unfortunately. No, um, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> the driver had dark hair. He said approximately like 18 to 22 years old. How slow was he going that he was able to I know, like, I know. I was like, damn, this is a good description. Because like, I, I noticed nothing when I'm driving other than no. the speed of light beside me. Like, and maybe he noticed because it maybe it seemed weird that there was a car pulled over and there was like people standing outside of the car talking like just before the overpass. Fair, like, fair. If you think about it, that is a weird spot yeah. to pull your car over. And to like, given like our our upbringing with this area, like some of those lanes are actually brand new. Like it would have been a grassy area. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Back then so, I would imagine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he said that, um, passenger in the car looked about the same age. The man standing outside was about a head taller than the girl. Um, the girl had dark hair and a light colored coat on. So her coat was gray. I'm assuming it was like a light medium gray. Mm-hmm. Um, this witness picked up his, the the guy that drove by, he was driving by to go pick up his girlfriend. So he picked up his girlfriend and they came back over the overpass around 1040 and he didn't see any people or cars. Okay. Um, another witness would later call the police to report he was driving northbound on Wellington Road. So going yeah. the same way Jackie would have been walking opposite yeah. this other witness. Around 1025 when he saw a light blue Ford, he, he said Ford car, make a U-turn in front of him. And then head south on Wellington. He said he saw a male driver and one female passenger. Weird. Okay. Weird. So we have like one witness that says there was a driver, maybe a second person. Another witness that says there was three people. Okay. Like three men. And then. And her. Yeah. And her. And then another witness that says it was just one driver and her. So it could be anywhere from one to three dudes. That's that's quite a jump. Which is hard. Yeah. It's hard to peg down. Um, David Pappel was, uh, he finished his shift around one and he went over to Jackie's because she had asked him to come over After when work. he was done his shift because yeah. she was done at 10. So and she would like, have been be home, home by then. Yeah. yeah. He knocked, but there was no answer. He assumed that her plans had changed and she would maybe like, she would just tell him the next day what happened, but he didn't think anything of it. I mean, again, this is like the sixties. So no one had like cell phones and stuff. Right. And it's, so it's like, that's you probably would have been like, used to just like, oh, she like went to her friend's house yeah. or I don't know, went to see her mom in the hospital or something. something, Yeah, and like that, I feel like that's a safe assumption. And she also, so this person will come into play kind of like right now, but there was a woman named Agnes Murray who also lived in the same apartment building as the English family. Yeah. And apparently she was sort of like a, 
like a bit of a little bit older or maybe Doris's age. I don't know exactly how old she was, but it's, it sounds like she was like a very like sort of like stern, like Scottish woman who like Born looked yeah. out for the kids yeah. when Doris wasn't around. Okay, cool. You know, yeah. like a, like someone you want around. Like the, the building, like mom. Yes. That's <laughs> yeah. almost exactly yeah. what she sounds like. <laughs> so the next morning, David was off uh, to go to his shift at 11 a.m. when he was stopped outside his apartment by Agnes Murray who was their neighbor and she um she stopped him and she was really upset because she said Jackie hadn't come back to the apartments last night okay and she was like Jackie's really responsible she always calls me if she's going to be late fair she always calls me if she's going to be like not coming home or or something's going to make her that's late that's nice that they had that arrangement i didn't know that like that's that's what i mean yeah. like they kind of all looked out for each other so cool. that's okay. why she was like worried fair yeah so yeah, yeah. david went into work and he told some of the coworkers some people didn't really seem concerned, but one of the hostesses, I guess, called Agnes Murray, and they both agreed that something seemed weird. Um, yeah. So they, yeah, they were both sort of like, that just doesn't sound like Jackie. Yeah. So Well, like, you know when something's off character for someone. You just know. Yeah. And I think that other people were maybe like, she's 15, whatever. Like, she probably, first yeah. time for everything. Like, I don't know, right? Sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not that people weren't concerned, but I think they were just like, give it some time, she'll probably show up. And she had a shift at the Latin Quarter that day. So it could have been one of those things like, where like, show up if she work. doesn't show up, then we'll worry. Yeah. Yeah. So the hostess, um, apparently there was a regular that came in and he was a police officer. His name was Officer Ron Haldane. So he called to make a reservation and Margaret, the hostess, basically like on the phone was like, so Jackie, like, we don't know where she is. Yeah. And she didn't come home last night and like, we're, we th- we're kind of worried. So he yeah. basically was like, okay. So he came in for his dinner and he was like, I'll look into it. Okay, cool. By the evening, all of the staff were worried because she hadn't showed up for her And shift. that's out of character. That's completely, very out of character completely. for her. Yeah. So Agnes that night called the police and like filed a, a missing persons report. Because Jeez. again, Doris was still in the hospital. Okay. So Is Agnes, she aware of everything or not no one's? Yet. Okay. Not yet. Okay. Agnes didn't want to worry her in case Jackie showed up. And right? then you're and worrying this woman who's, who's like in and out of surgery. Yeah. yeah. So Agnes called the police. Um... And again, she insisted, like, this is not like Jackie. She always lets me know when she's going to be late. This is out of character. And then I think after the police report was filed and they were going to start looking for her, then she called Doris because it sounds like once Doris found out, she signed herself out of the hospital and came back. Okay. David went over to Agnes's after his shift um, and the police were there taking statements. And you can bet your ass that detective dennis alsop was there okay okay yeah. okay so he basically led this investigation of course he did because he's the most hardcore he's a person superhero. to ever yeah. exist yeah absolutely yeah. so the police <laughs> showed up at ann's apartment in hamilton to tell her that her sister was missing and she oh i forgot that she moved to hamilton okay, she yeah. was in hamilton okay, right so right. she came to london straight straight away yeah and Anne and Doris and Agnes and everybody, all of Jackie's friends and family searched, like went downtown London and everywhere like they yeah. could think of and like searched for her. Okay. Um, for the next three days, they were looking for her. Fuck. Jackie's bank account was untouched. Okay. Although they said there was a little bit of extra money in it that wasn't accounted for. So that might come back later. We're okay. not sure. There's a theory about that, but we don't know for sure. Weird. But okay. they're just saying like she wasn't using her bank account. Okay. And it wasn't stolen either then. Yeah. Like. On October 8th. So again, she, she worked the night of October 4th. She didn't come home that night. 
October 5th, she was reported missing. They've been searching yeah. for her for three days. Okay. On October 8th, Doris found Jackie's diary and turned it into the police. So that's why anything mentioned about her diary, this is from from that. Because yeah. the police took it. Yeah. Which they do do that to, like, gather Yeah, there's a lot of and stuff information and... in it, right? Yeah. Like, it's someone's personal yeah. day-to-day. Uh, they did say a lot of it was, like, a regular day-to-day life of a 15-year-old girl in 1969, you know? But there were... Some things that, you know, again, a lot of people didn't know. There were some things in there that surprised David because there were things about, like... Because he thought they were exclusive. And Jackie she's spending in... time with other guys. She's out there getting it. <laughs> she's having a life. <laughs> yeah. So he was sort of like, oh, okay, I didn't know. But, again, the police needed this information. Yeah, so absolutely. absolutely. Apparently there was two things in her diary that were never, like, still to this day haven't been figured out. Okay. So there was a photograph of a young man sitting on some stone steps outside smiling at the camera on the back was written the name ricardo fropo okay still to this day nobody knows who that is okay which i find strange but very strange at the back of the diary there was a section where she wrote down like people's names and phone numbers yeah okay and one of the one of the entries read lll like all capitals lll 401 ke and then there was a phone number so no one's figured out what, like, LLL401KE is, but Vanessa Brown, being, like, the sleuth that okay. she is, oh, Jesus. Here we said go. that Here. you can do a reverse phone number search yep. for, oh. like, phone numbers for people in certain years and stuff like that. Okay. I knew you can do, like, a reverse lookup. I didn't know about, like, the year thing. Yeah. So she could, so she typed in the phone number that okay. was there and, like, went back to, like, 1969, and the phone number belonged to a couple named Peter and Heather notfully okay so anyway she tracked them down um they said yes they did live in london just for about 18 months from 1968 to 1969 and they had that phone number she did not remember jackie or even hearing about the case they didn't have any children at the time so they're like we wouldn't have hired her to babysit yeah she just couldn't recall any likely scenario where they would have met or spent time yeah. with a 15 year old Crossed girl paths yeah she was like i have no idea she like was apparently only, only thing i can think of is like if did they go to either restaurants like that's the only thing i can think of maybe but again it's like she just didn't know why their phone number from 1969 would be in, would be in a murder victim's diary yeah of a 15 year old girl yeah right? especially if they're like so certain they never crossed paths with her yeah yeah so so we still don't really know what or, or do what we know what peter is. and heather did for a living wasn't like mentioned it wasn't mentioned okay in the book it might uh it might have been mentioned briefly like maybe why they moved to london it was probably for his job but okay yeah she okay. just couldn't think of anything through his through their life okay because like the in only london. thing like i would think is like they met her at one of the restaurants maybe there was some connection with like oh i do this for a living let's exchange numbers yeah like That's vanessa brown only... asked like about like church did you meet her at church okay. or something and they were like uh. Nah, we can't think of anything. Nah, so, nah, so, bro. Nah. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly yeah. word for word what yeah, they yeah, said. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like something Heather would say. For sure. Um, <laughs> so October 9th, okay. somehow, I, I don't know, it just says somehow in the book, Agnes Murray heard that the police were coming to deliver some bad news. Okay. So I don't know if that was like a rumor mill or someone called her. I have no idea. But she just somehow knew that the police were on their way. So just before 5 p.m. on October 9th, two duck hunters had spotted what they thought was a mannequin in It's never a mannequin. in the waters of Big Otter Creek. It's never a mannequin. 
And if Big Otter Creek sounds familiar, that's also where the body of Scott Leishman was found. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not the last time we'll hear about Big Otter Creek. So they found, they looked through their scope, like on their rifle, and they realized very quickly it was a body. They found the body near Tilsonburg. Okay. So Big Otter Creek kind of goes all the way down yeah. to like Port Burwell, I think is where it ends. But like it goes yeah. up through. So around Tilsonburg is where they found it. But before the police got to the Kent Street Apartments, Agnes sent Anne out. Like she got one of Anne's friends to like take her out for a while. Like just, I don't know if they went for a walk or they went somewhere. Because Agnes knew they were coming and she assumed that Anne would want to go and identify the body. Okay. And Agnes just like didn't want her to have to do that. No. No. Honestly, I feel like that's something, like, no family member should ever, like, have to do. It's no. just, like, that's... Fuck. Like, that's the worst thing. Yeah. To have to I confirm know. something like that. Like, you just... Which is terrible. And I think that's why Agnes was like, I'll do it. Like, yeah. like she's like, I know Anne's Take gonna fight me on from... it. So she just, like, got her out of the house. And then by the time Anne yeah. got back, Agnes was already on her way to Tilsonburg. And that's... I feel like that... Honestly, that's... Because people will probably disagree with that. The big one should be the family. And it's like, no, no. I... You know what? You don't need to see that. No, you're, especially when it's like your younger sister, like preserve the memory you have of her. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I'm, absolutely. I completely agree with Agnes here. Yeah. So she, yeah. um, well, just goes to show how much she cared about this family yeah. too, right? Like, like cause that, just, that couldn't have been easy for her. She loved Jackie. No, of course. You but know? You and you, yeah. That, so yeah. There's a big sacrifice she made there. And, um, so she drove just over an hour from London to Tilsonburg. Apparently when she first saw the body, she didn't. She was like, that's not Jackie. Mm-hmm. She just couldn't believe that was Jackie because her face was swollen and pale and blue from, like, lying in the water. Yeah. Her face and head were covered in bruises. There was blood in her hair. She oh, just God. said it didn't look anything like Jackie. Okay. Um. So she said, well, she has a birthmark on her thigh. So the pathologist pulled the sheet up and, and she saw Jackie's birthmark. Okay. So she was like, okay, that is Jackie. After finding out... That her daughter was dead. Doris English um, went into Agnes's bedroom and was like, I don't want to talk to anybody. And she attempted suicide with a prescription bottle that Agnes had. Oh, my goodness. She okay. survived. Okay. But um, she was – her brother then admitted her to the, Lo- the London Psychiatric Hospital. Okay. Where she would stay for about a year. Okay. So – Jackie's siblings just found out that their sister is dead. Their mother tries to commit suicide and now she's gone. In a, this is in a, a psych lot. ward. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? That might be like psych wards suck, especially at the time. I can't imagine that they were what they was, are today. She was getting like electric shock therapy. Yeah. 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 And okay. Anne said anytime she visited, she was like heavily medicated. Yeah. So yeah. I wish they were like more like they, what they are today where it was just like round the clock mental health care rather than like Because it sounds torture. like, like, yeah, it sounds like Doris needed it. Like even when Anne's saying like at some point in their childhood, like she's something flipped a snapped, switch, like yeah. something happened. Like well, she could have been suffering from depression. She it could have been, been suffering anything. from a number of different it disorders been or some something kind of that could have yeah. helped her. She obviously was still able to like take care of her kids well, and absolutely. function day to day life yeah. and everything. But like she was obviously struggling she, with she something. She clearly needed some kind of extra help. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, the kids were obviously upset. Um, at this time, their father, Walter, was also in the hospital in Hamilton. He was, like, very sick in the hospital, like, before okay. Jackie went missing. Okay. So then now their mom is Holy fuck. in the hospital. This family does not deserve what's happening. Like, I know. Oh, my God. So many people called the London police claiming to have information about Jackie as, like, <laughs> 
a lot of people knew her. Um, but it, as it does, sometimes it did result in a lot of false leads, which like the police yeah. have to check on every Everything. lead, right? Yeah. Every tip. Um, yeah. And they were working around the clock. Yeah. Like just most of them hadn't slept for like the whole time that she had yeah. been missing. And then yeah. when they found the body, they were like processing the crime scene like 12 to 14 hours a day. And I bet like, Dennis Elsov was just like going a mile a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I have yeah. it somewhere later down here, so I might repeat it. But I think in the book it said like for like 30 days straight, they were working like 12 to 14 hours. Like Jesus a lot of them Christ. hadn't even gone home. So that's, yeah, that's a rough. It, like they were working on this yeah. case. So on October 10th, the autopsy on Jackie's body was done. It wasn't done by a forensic pathologist because there just weren't very many forensic pathologists back then, which no, is a there shame. there still aren't because, that many. <laughs> no. Um, and a lot of them just weren't trained forensically. So yeah. we have to take, like, this autopsy with a grain of salt. Apparently, the OPP sent her body to Toronto to be examined later by a forensic pathologist. But it's like you don't get the first... The first hand. Like, like untainted look at the body. Yeah. Right? And there's usually so, a lot of bias that happens by then because by that point, whoever does re-examine would have likely already read a chart and skipped over certain things that have like already been looked at kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's just like yeah. that bias happens whether mm -hmm. we like it or not. Yeah. So the cause yeah. of death was determined to be a blow to the head caused by um and and sorry, causing a lot a large amount of blood loss. And they said it was from, like, an edged instrument, like a crowbar or a tire iron. Oof. She had been missing almost a week, but the coroner said that she had only been in the water less than two days. Okay. Um, some people don't agree with this. Like, even Vanessa Brown says, like, the distortion that Agnes Murray describes in Jackie's face could indicate that she had been in the water for longer. Yeah. I don't know. In Michael Arnfield's book, it sounds like he believes she was only in the water for a day or two. So, like, it's hard to say because, again, this wasn't a forensic pathologist that did this yeah. examination. So, hard to say. But it does seem a lot of people do believe that she was definitely, like, killed somewhere and then brought, brought here there. after. Okay. There were no signs of ligature marks, bruising, starvation, or dehydration post-mortem bruising and the position that she was found in, which was, like, lying on her back facing upwards. Okay. They feel like it indicates that she wasn't tossed over the bridge because they Rather feel like... Placed. Yeah, like, if she was thrown over the bridge, like... Her arms would be... They like, were like, yeah, you'd land in, like, a crumpled mess and, like, there would be yeah. bruising probably to, yeah. to corroborate or that. Or, like, so puncture even from It does landing. seem like she was more posed there than, yeah. like, tossed. So... Again, hard to say. The report contradicts some other information, such as, like, there being no wounds or marks on Jackie's body because the OPP report says that she was the victim of a vicious beating. Oh, my God. Okay. So, but the report says there's no wounds or marks on her body. So, hard okay. to say there. Okay. There was semen found inside her. It correlated with the same blood type as David Papel. Okay. So this Which, is why I'm saying that's why, yeah. he told the police later that, sex. like, they had sex that yeah. day. Again, that will come back around. But okay. at this point, they're like, well, could have been her boyfriend's semen. So he said it was unprotected. Yeah. Okay. None of her belongings were found except for her earrings, which were found floating 
in the in the creek, like next to her body. Okay, I was gonna be like, how do you find fucking earrings? Like, I I know I, have no I can't idea, even apparently. find my earrings at home. And they, her... I know, and they <laughs> scoured this whole area to find wow. anything, but like they found the earrings in the water. I guess it was actually close to the body, but okay. it still seems like they were almost like tossed in there next to her. I don't know, but they Weird. found them. Okay, interesting. There was no blood anywhere in the creek bed or surrounding area. So again, they really believed that she was not killed Place. there. Yeah. That she was killed somewhere else. Like, they didn't think it happened in the car because of the nature of the attack. They're like, that it would have been too close, like, quarters to, like, bash her over the head and, yeah, like, beat her and like, stuff. Like, I think it's possible, but I think they were thinking, like, she was taken somewhere. Yeah. Beaten and murdered and then transported to the river. Okay. On October 13th, Jackie's ripped and discarded clothing were found strewn along Culloden Road, less than 20 minutes away from where her body was found. They found her work uniform, the white with orange stripes, her bra, her underwear, her pantyhose, and the bottom half of her black and white checkered dress. So the top yeah. half was never found, just the bottom skirt part. Yeah. Her underwear had semen on it that did not match the semen found in her body. Okay. 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 Yeah. So by the time Jackie's body had been found, most of the officers, including Dennis Alsop, like I said, hadn't like slept or been home for almost a week um, after. So yeah, this was the detail that I found in the book. After Jackie's body was found, 18 police officers worked for 30 days straight, averaging 12 to 14 hours on processing the crime scene and continuing the investigation. And it didn't stop after that 30 days no, either. They weren't just like, some okay, of them just like out. Yeah. had a nap after that 30 days. Yeah, like, they like might they, have closed their eyes for a second. Yeah. yeah, they were like using all of their resources on this case. Wow. October 14th, Approximately 80 people attended a service for Jackie. Neither of Jackie's parents were there, like I said, because they were both in, in separate like critical hospitals. care, essentially, yeah. 14-year-old yeah. Fred sat in the front row next to Anne. He was wearing the jacket that um, Jackie had bought him for his grade 8 graduation. Stop it. She would buy him clothes and, like, you know, She's a good food sister. and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, the photo of Jackie present at her funeral is the only photograph anyone has seen of Jackie since the investigation because the OPP confiscated all of the other photos of her and these photos have never been returned to the family. I, I wanted to include that detail because I don't think people realize that that happens. Like when, I don't know if it still does, but okay. like when they look, when they're like, so, there's a missing person, we need a photo. I guess for certain cases, they take all of them. Like, I don't know. Okay. Maybe that was back then and it doesn't happen as much now. Or maybe I wonder it's only how certain that cases. Helps. Like, I have no idea. But the family has made numerous requests and they've never been able to get their photos back get of Jackie. Photos back. Which makes like, me so sad. That's, yeah. That's like, how is that right. evidence? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just it's, mean, like. It would be one thing if they were like, we would like a photo of, like, every angle of her. Like, you know, like a peripheral from both sides. Yeah. And a straight on. Because like, then it's like, because then you can, like use that to kind of do like identification well, and for like stuff. a missing persons like poster or something yeah. like yeah but, like, i, I guess you want a clear photo but like do you need all of them do you need like all hundreds of them like or like however many yeah, i don't know if that's necessary yeah especially with this much time passing like so i don't know but they they still don't have them back which is just very upsetting to me wow yeah, yeah. um and describes their younger brother fred as extremely bright um but very introverted mm -hmm. she said he doesn't like most people but Jackie, same man. Same. Yeah, yeah. But Jackie was his best friend. Oh fuck. Um, she said that. he loved her, as did so many people who knew her. Shortly after Jackie's passing, Fred got a job as a dishwasher at the Latin Quarter. Okay. 
he planned to save enough money to buy her a tombstone. I'm done. We're stopping this episode. Yeah, I know. That, like, broke my heart when I read it. Fuck. Just, yeah. Like, just, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah, she was, she was very, very loved. Very loved, like, And I think she was, like, it just sounds like she was an amazing big sister to him. Yeah, and, like, the impact she had, obviously, on him and so many people is just, like, astronomical. Yeah. Yeah. So, there were letters written to the editor of the London Free Press from numerous citizens after her body was found, and they were extremely concerned because a lot of people in the city were kind of noticing what was going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had, like, other cases that I've covered, right? Like, yeah. uh, Margaret Sheeler, Patricia Bovine, Jacqueline Dunleavy, Frankie yeah. Jensen, like, even the ones outside, like, yeah. Scott Leishman, who was in Thorndale. Like, there's just... Like a in lot and around of London, a lot of death, on. especially a lot of like young, young people. people, women and like children. Yeah. And so they were like, our children are being murdered. Um, and a lot of them believed that they were connected. Yeah. Rightfully so. You can believe that. Like I, I would believe the same thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so a letter, one of the letters was written by Doris English herself. Okay. Um, when, while she was in the psychiatric hospital and I'm just going to read it to you now because I don't want to. I don't like want to paraphrase, paraphrase it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, and that that's totally fair. Cause so it is in the book. Haley's just finding the page. I'm yeah, I'm yeah. gonna fill some space here until then. <laughs> so, so this is her letter to the London Free Free Press, just for like the people of London. Yeah. What does it take to wake a city up? Does anyone? Does everyone shut their eyes to those who don't belong to them? Someone somewhere had to notice Jackie getting into a car, and they had to notice which way it went. Just suppose it was your daughter. I was in the hospital and other people were there picking up their young ones. I have a small dig to throw the police's way. When a mother reports her child missing, then, immediately, notice should have been given over the radio and every means used to draw this person to the public attention. This should be kept almost constantly before the public. Someone would see them. The police are not lazy workers, and if they had a thousand tips, they would check them all out until they had the answer or looked for someone looked for something new. I have just read your article regarding the murder in our midst in the Saturday, October 18th edition. I feel free to write some answer as the latest victim is my 15-year-old daughter. Here was one of the sweetest, most considerate, selfless persons one could find. Not because she was my daughter, but because she loved people without any reservation. After 15 years, they were tough. They were tough for her and us. She never complained. She took on two extra jobs to clothe her brother and herself, and she did a fine job. Now my baby is gone forever. Some person is probably gloating and laughing to himself, knowing how well he has fooled my child, her parents, and the many police. I am a staunch believer in Jesus Christ, and I pray and ask fervently that God in his own time and fashion will repay this man a thousandfold for the anguish he has caused. May God show some mercy on him. He must realize he is too ill to be with human beings." To the public, please start now. Be a lot more observant, more attentive. Copy licenses down, see what direction they head. The police sometimes get impatient and short with you, but it could return a young, happy person. Please, God and Mr. Editor, impress upon people to keep their eyes wide open. Be very, very observant, especially of women. Let's catch this maniac before he catches and crucifies more daughters or sons. The police can't see everything, but if they know about something, they certainly can check it. Keep missing person bulletins on the radio 
and bulletins on the TV. Keep it fresh and hard in front of everyone's face and thought. Murders are too frequent here, but people don't give a damn unless it's their own. Force it on their attention. Wow. That's, like... That First of all, that's, like, extremely well-written. Like, that hits. And, it, like, I didn't... Like, even, there's, like, a sentence at the end where she's, like... To the editor of the paper, she's like, take this and write it better, basically. Oh, no, that hit home. I know. I know. Wow. And it's interesting to me because she's basically calling for, like, an Amber Alert system. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say is what she described is, like, kind of how it works now. But even now, it's still not as good as it should be. No, it's not. And and that's the thing is, like, this is 1969 and she's, like pleading to just be like keep we keep need a this notification that goes in out to front everybody. of people's eyes like yeah. people need to you see can't it ignore it because if we can't find them quickly then we can't find them at all, all yeah right? and and that's something that like you said even now it's hard to do but yeah. even though we have all these systems in place and it's like things have gotten a little bit better but like we still need to do better we need to do better 100 percent. yeah wow yeah that was very impactful yeah so on October 20th, Jackie's brown penny loafers were found by a farmer in Malahide Township. So when I Googled this, that this is like, that's Elmer. Okay. Like basically yeah. like this, the town of Elmer came up when I Googled okay. this. So they were found away from the road next to a pond. It okay. looked like someone had pulled off on the side of the road and kind of like attempted to throw the shoes into the pond, but like it was really Missed far back from the road, so they didn't get them far yeah. enough. Yeah, work on your and arm, then buddy. just like <laughs> let them, and they just yeah. left them there. They were found in almost the exact same spot where Georgia Jackson's body was found in 1966. Wow. Wow. Isn't that weird? What the fuck is going on in this place? Like, yeah. And information about George's body had never been made public. Like, only the police knew about where they found her body. Okay. Okay. So, just keep that in mind. Uh, oh, I hate you so much right now. Okay. Okay. So, just as a little... So, what they were trying to do as far as, like, there was a reward for information leading to an arrest in Jackie's murder, right? Like, a lot of these cases had rewards. Yeah. Um, I think it was at $10,000 at this point. Eventually, I read that it went up to twenty, which okay. was a lot of money back then. Oh, yeah. The London Free Press started a hidden witness program so people could send in information anonym, anon, like anonymously. They'd write it down on a piece of paper and then they'd write like their own eight digit number like that. They just like you just make up an eight digit number and then you'd write it down on another another piece of paper. You'd keep that second one. Okay. You'd send in your statement or your tip or something. And then if that information led to an arrest you could come and claim the reward with your other piece of paper with your matching number on it. That's a very smart system. Yeah. I, okay. I thought that was a great idea. Yeah. Um, so that will come into play later. That's why I just wanted to lay that out. But, okay. So on October 26th, a man named Joseph Varnagy was walking through Wortley Village with his three-year-old son. They were heading back to their home at 17 Elmwood, walking past, um, in the book, Vanessa Brown called it the normal school which I've never heard before, but it's uh, basically it's like that big giant red brick building on the corner of Elmwood and Wortley. It used to be the Board of Education. Okay. If you can think of it. It's like there's a giant green space. I only know this because like I went to elementary oh, school right there. Oh, I know exactly. There's a yes. huge park, like a giant green yes. space. And there's like that big red brick building. It almost I think looks there's like a like church. A, I think there's yeah. a YMCA there now or something. Yeah. yeah. It looks like a almost it, like a big old building like church yeah. almost. Yeah. I, I now know exactly what you're talking about. So they were walking past there when he noticed something on the ground. He said there were coloring pencils 
So, like, two of them. So he picked them up because he was like, well, my son might want to color with them. Yeah. There was a red one and a light blue one. As they were walking back to their house, he was he turned the pencils over in his hands. And he realized there was a name written on the red pencil. You know how, like, there's, like, that white spot where you yeah. could write, yeah, like, your name. your name? Yeah. The name was Jacqueline English. Okay. Okay. So he immediately called the police because he knew exactly who she was. was. He had yeah. heard her name in the paper. They came right away. They took the pencils and they searched the whole area for any other clues. Dennis Alsop was among them. Okay. In the area around the normal school, they found a bottle of perfume, a cosmetics case, which they assumed, along with the pencil crayons, were all contents of Jackie's purse. Okay. Dennis Alsop also made note that from the normal school, you could look down Elmwood and see the house where Jackie used to live. Yeah. So, like, where... Okay. These items were left. You could see her house from that pl- like from that point. Yeah. So he, Dennis Alsop, obviously like being the person who had like all of the like intuition of all like of the, the world's detectives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And again, like we've talked before, like kind of getting onto the whole like serial killer thing. Yeah, like he was on that that same escalation. Of, like like profiling he, there's so almost. yeah profiling yeah. exactly. So. He was wondering, he's like, so the killer is obviously communicating with us. Like, this isn't a coincidence. Nope. Um, and he's like, I think, he felt like the killer was taunting them. Yeah, fair. That's a fair thought to have, for and, sure. And he also wasn't sure if the killer had, like, because they weren't listed in the phone book. So, like, he's like, maybe they just assumed Jackie still lived there mm. because she had moved, like, two weeks pro- before she went missing. Yeah. They moved downtown. So, he wasn't sure, but he definitely felt like it was a message. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, I would assume the same thing. Yeah. I didn't realize how quickly the move was. I thought she was living downtown for like months prior to it. No, she had been living downtown for like okay. two and a half weeks. Maybe. Okay. Then yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's a really good So point. it could be the killer being like, I'm leaving them outside of her house, basically. Yeah, she lives Thinking here. that yeah. she still lives there. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> um, witnesses came forward after of course like jackie's body was found so i'm gonna run through quickly some of just some of the things some of them will contradict and whatever but Mm -hmm. just things that people came forward that knew her or saw her said yeah so diane harding and her boyfriend saw jackie on october 3rd the day before she went missing okay riding the two dundas bus yeah we know that well yes heading (laughs) east and um jackie had a bag with her she said she had a bathing suit in it and they all got off at the stop at maitland which is right outside of beale yeah Bill High School. Yes. Sorry. I, we know what it is. Yeah. People are like, People, what's Beal? What's Beal? What uh, does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Beal Secondary School, yeah. which um, has a swimming pool. It still has a swimming pool. I'm pretty sure. I think so. Yeah. But it had one back then too. So they just assumed she was going swimming. She didn't say. She just said she had yeah. a bathing suit. Also, the Y is pretty close there too. And that is too. So that's also something yeah. that someone mentioned later. The YMCA. Later. Sorry, yeah. guys. We're, <laughs> the, we're cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, most people should probably know what the I Y know. is, but you know. I just I wanted to be as cool as you. Uh, Jackie's coworker, Marilyn Hurd, okay. says that later on October 3rd, she met up with Jackie to do some shopping before they both had a shift at the Met. She says Jackie's hair wasn't, her hair wasn't wet and she hadn't appeared to have gone swimming, but Jackie said that she was going to and then changed her mind. Okay. Um, Marilyn Hurd and David Papel both remember Jackie carrying around this swimsuit on October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. But there are no witnesses that saw her at Beale, at the Beale pool or the YMCA pool. Okay. that's a block away, right? Yeah. And no one saw her with wet hair on these days. Okay. 
Jackie's sister Anne speculates about this. This is where the bank account might come into play. But apparently, okay. because Jackie was receiving a lot of attention from, like, men and whatever, yeah. she also had a number of people, to me, probably, like, creepy-ass people, whatever, that offered to, like, take pictures of her. Right? Yeah. And Anne, this is, again, retroactive. She's speculating. She's saying, like... Jackie, again, supported herself and her family. So if someone offered her money to take pictures, she, she might have it. said yes and does not believe she would have ever posed nude, but she says she might have done it in a bathing suit. Okay. For some extra cash. Okay. She said that's a possibility. We don't know this. There's no yeah. corroboration of she this. She never told anyone but, that's, that's what she was doing. But like, if that did happen, that could account for the extra money in her bank account that was unaccounted for. Yeah. So okay. it's just a theory. Yeah. Um, Carl Schroeder was having dinner at the Met that night, October 3rd. So this is, again, the day before. Um, he said Jackie held the door for him as they went in. He saw her talking on the payphone. He saw her later staring out the window at the parking lot as if she was waiting for someone. Okay. So that was his statement. Um, and then he later saw a man trying to get Jackie's attention. He described him as being in his 30s, around 5'8", 160 pounds, like athletic, with receding black hair parted on the right. Okay. He had Very dark specific. eyes. Yeah. He had dark eyes, a tan complexion with a five o'clock shadow and sideburns. Mm. He had on a green jacket. Oh, those fucking green jackets. Yeah. He said the man's face lit up with a big smile when Jackie turned to him as he got her attention. This was outside of the Met? Is that what you said? In the Met. Okay. Okay. Because this guy was sitting having dinner with his son. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, for no, some reason, no I thought he was in the parking lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Marilyn Hurd says that after their shift on the third, um, her and Jackie walked across the overpass to catch the bus downtown. She said there was a lot of traffic because there was a Boston Bruins exhibition game that had just gotten out at the London Gardens. So okay. um, there was just a lot of cars. They were waiting at the bus stop and they were kind of wondering whether they had like missed the bus at this point okay. when she says like two guys, she said they were American because they later told them they were from Michigan, like pulled up and they were like drinking beer in the car or whatever. They had just come from the game and they were like, hey, are you, go are you guys going into London? And Jackie said that they were and they offered them a ride. Marilyn said it wasn't the first time they had hitched a ride home. I mean, again, this was 1969, yeah. Yeah. but this is the part that like gets me because she says that her and Jackie hitchhiked for the first time with a nice elderly couple and this safe experience made them confident enough to like do it again. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but like now and you're getting into a car with like two, two drunk, drunk guys boys. Yeah. Versus like an elderly couple who probably were sober and. And I don't think they were like oblivious to this because Marilyn says basically like, they chatted with the guys, um, and the guys were continuing to drink beer and stuff. And, like, the one guy made a joke to Jackie about, like, oh, like, since we gave you a ride, like, can you give me a free hot dog at, like, your restaurant or whatever? And Jackie made a joke. She's like, yeah, yeah, come in tomorrow, and, like, I'll give you a free hot dog or something. Um, and so they dropped... Oh, free hot dog. <laughs> they dropped Jackie off at Wellington and King. Okay. And they said to Marilyn, because Marilyn lived in the East End, they said they were going that way, but she got out there. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, they weren't, like, stupid. They were just, like, they. she yeah. got out and she was like, I didn't want to be in the car alone with them. And Jackie's Fair. like, yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have hitched a ride with them if I was alone either. Like, Absolutely. I only did it because you were there. Safer in numbers. Yeah. So, again, they're not being, like, 
no completely reckless. No, no, no. It's it's normal and to even hitchhike then it's at for this that time. time. Yeah. And they like, felt safer because they were together yeah. and whatever. But and they used their own judgment. Like there's no blame here whatsoever. Like Yeah. It's yeah. still uh, obviously we're looking at it, we're like, it's risky, but at that time it probably didn't feel as risky as like we know that it was. Yeah. On the same night, another co-worker of Jackie's, Linda Green, came out of a shift at the children's wear department just after 10 p.m. to see a maroon car with no lights on parked like parallel to the curb. She said she, like, made an effort to walk, like, really widely around it and, like, in a roundabout way to get to her car because she recognized the car and the man inside because she had seen him the night before at the Met department store. And, like, I think he just kind of, like, creeped her out a bit. She said he was smoking and, like, pacing back and forth in, like, the children's wear section. Ew. Yeah, and I think he just gave her, like, a vibe. She didn't say anything about that or why she, like, but she just didn't want to walk past yeah. his car. You know what? You trust and sometimes those you just, gut feelings. Like, yeah. Yeah. So she saw his car parked outside the curb that that night and the night prior. Okay. October 3rd when she saw him pacing around the store and then she left her shift that night and he was parked. Yeah. Outside the store. And then the next night on October 4th, he was get also parked light. outside. Yeah. Um, Even if looks, this isn't the guy, get a fucking life. Like, well, yeah, we don't, we don't know, but there is like a maroon car that like definitely comes into play here because he looked as if he was waiting for someone. She described the man as having dark eyebrows and being clean shaven, average height and build. He was wearing a green jacket. Okay. She did not see him at the store the night Jackie went missing. Like she didn't see him inside the store. Okay. Okay. So here's where it might come into play. Doris English worked also at Northern Electric, which was just a block away from Treasure Island during this time. So Jackie would finish work at 10 and then she would head over to Northern Electric to wait for her mom who finished her shifts at 11 okay. to get a ride home with her. Okay. Because of this, the security guard at Northern Electric knew Jackie quite well because he saw her often. Right. The guard, Stanley Clark, said on September 14th, he saw Jackie get dropped off at Northern Electric by a young man in a maroon four-door Chevrolet. He said the guy was around 20 years old, sandy colored hair, he thinks around 5'8", 150 pounds, but all of these observations were made like at a distance Yeah. in the dark. Yeah. He said this guy dropped Jackie off a few times and that there was always another guy in the car. Okay. Marilyn Hurd also recalled Jackie getting rides to Northern Electric, but Jackie never told Marilyn who was driving her. She said one time... Jackie and Marilyn were waiting outside for a ride. Jackie's like, yeah, I have a ride. You can you can get a ride with me. But they waited for 45 minutes for the guy and he didn't show up. So they started walking to Northern Electric to get a ride with Jackie's mom. And then like a maroon car pulled up and some guy offered them a ride and Marilyn said no. But okay. she but she didn't give a description of what he looked like. So I don't know how it must have been dark and maybe she just didn't see anybody. Yeah. So multiple people saw Jackie like getting rides around from a from dude in a maroon car. Yeah. Jackie's co-worker and neighbor, Paul St. Kerr, the one I okay. talked about earlier, was also interviewed by the police. He said Jackie would come over sometimes and watch TV with him and they would chat, but he um, told her not to come over as much anymore because he was worried it was making David jealous. Um, but most of the people around them saw Paul as acting more of like a big brother yeah. towards Jackie. Yeah. Um, like he would tell her that he didn't, like, he didn't like that she like went over to Dave's apartment all the time and like stayed there late and like... Yeah. I think he protective. was being a bit protective over yeah. her, and this annoyed Dave, obviously. Yeah. Um, but Paul said Jackie would confide in him a lot, especially about her love life and, like, things that she didn't tell her family. Okay. So she told him that, like, 
David was cheap and he would never take her out anywhere. So God damn it, David. <laughs> yeah. Um, she also told him that she kind of had a little crush on Greg Carter, who was the guy who walked in on David and Jackie in July. Okay. So there was like other guys that she worked with that like she was also kind of like she was playing out her options, yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. She had also written in her diary that she had kissed a guy named Lloyd. Okay. So there was a guy that worked at the Latin Quarter named Lloyd Lackey. Um, <gasps> LLL? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to okay, say. because Lloyd spelt with two L's and then his last name is yeah. also L. Yeah, it's true. It could and be. And then it was K-E, right, at the end? Yeah. How's Lackey a- spelt? L-A-C-K-E-Y. Okay. Could be. Maybe it's like code? It totally could be. Okay. Apparently Lloyd was married. Okay. But I guess they had kissed at one point. Okay. Um, but Lloyd also seemed to be protective of Jackie and, like, didn't approve of her relationship with David. But I'm also wondering if, like, he was just jealous. Like, I don't know. Right? Yeah. Like, it sounds like a lot of these dudes, like, were into her. Well, so... it sounds like everyone's trying to get... Yeah. 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 So maybe they were like, just, you shouldn't be hanging out with Dave. But it's like, yeah. don't hang out with Dave because hang out with me. Like, I don't know. Yeah, so fucking pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let her do what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> Paul said that Jackie would sometimes ask him to drive her back to where she used to live on Elmwood. Because there was a guy who lived there that she was seeing. He said the last time he drove her there was a week before she went missing. So it was still very current. Okay. Like she was still seeing him, I guess. She told Paul that she liked him and she liked David, but she couldn't decide. Okay. But she never told Paul this guy's name. And no one could find anything about him in her diary. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. There's a little bit left before... We finish this part, and this is kind of where things start to get weird. Oh, oh, it only gets weird now. Yeah. Oh, okay, because this whole time I've been thinking it's pretty weird. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> that, this, that's like nothing. Okay. Compared to what's going to happen. Okay, all right, okay. So Marilyn Hurd, the girl I've been mentioning that worked with Jackie. Yeah. Her coworker and her friend or whatever. On November 21st, 15-year-old Marilyn Hurd was found unconscious behind Simpson's department store downtown. So it was like a big department store that was on Dundas and Richmond. Okay. At 10.30 p.m. by the security guard that worked at Simpson's. Okay. He picked her up and he put her in a chair um, while he called She's the ambulance. She was alive, though. She was alive, but she okay. was unconscious. So okay. I guess she was still breathing. Okay. She had attempted suicide oh my God. with sleeping pills and painkillers. Once at Victoria Hospital, the doctors found a wrinkled photo of Jackie English in Marilyn's pocket. On the back was written, let her killer remain a secret to be buried with me. What the fuck? So. Okay. Little bit of backstory here. Jackie and Marilyn met while working at the Metropolitan in September 1969. So like literally a month Month before before. Jackie went missing. Marilyn swears they were best friends. But, again, they had only known each other a month. month. And Jackie had, like, there's even, like, a best friend that's mentioned in this book from, like, childhood. That, like, she she had other friends Other friends. And it sounds like she had a best friend. But Marilyn insists that they were best friends. Um, Like, maybe Jackie was Marilyn's best friend. Maybe. But not vice versa. That kind of sounds like maybe what was going on here. After Jackie went missing, Marilyn... Okay. Sorry. Okay. Are you hearing something? Yeah. I heard, like, footsteps a second ago. That's why I looked up. Oh, well, no. I, well, it could be, like, the neighbor. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'll have Drew cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So after Jackie went missing, Marilyn inserted herself in the investigation pretty quickly, identifying herself as Jackie's best friend. Each time she was interviewed, her details started to change. So she was, like, constantly coming up with, like, new information for the police. Okay. And just, like, again, her stories were, like, changing. They weren't consistent. Um, the police watched her closely, especially after the suicide attempt. And, like, the note that she wrote on the back of the picture and everything. Like, I was going to ask if it's, it, like... I was going to ask if it was in her handwriting. <laughs> uh, I think it's implied that it is. Okay. Yeah, like, I, that, that she wrote that. Okay. Um... But it sounds like, and like Dennis Elsop interviewed her many, many times after this incident, like at the psychiatric ward that she was, yeah, like at the psych ward she was staying in and everything. She was admitted after this, of course. Um, But like, it sounds like she basically shut down after this. Like when she was asked about it, she would get like almost like hostile and just like shut down and like would not speak about it at all after this. Um, there was a tip written to the hidden witness program that I mentioned before that Dennis Alsop had kept in his files. So Vanessa Brown is assuming that like, he thinks this hidden witness tip was Marilyn Hurd. Okay. Because it looked very much like her handwriting from her witness statement. Okay. Apparently it matched like very well. So Vanessa Brown thinks that he kept this, like implying that he believed this witness, this hidden witness statement was Was Marilyn Hurd's. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to read it to you because I have a note in here to just open the book and read it. (laughs) And I usually do that for a reason. So this was the statement from the Hidden Witness program again. So we're assuming this is Marilyn. Okay. Jackie English was worried about going to work on Saturday because the previous night, a man who had been talking to her said he was going to meet after work on Saturday. She left me with the impression that she knew the individual and made me promise not to mention it to anyone. So until now, I have not. I did not. I did reorganize. Or oh, that's typed wrong. Okay, I think it's typed as the way she wrote it. Oh, I see. Okay, there's still spelling mistakes. Okay. I did recognize the man in the composite drawing because there was a sketch out. Um, okay. at this point, as the one talking to her in her bay on Friday, October third. I did not say anything about it to the police since I would then have to reveal the promise made to Jackie. I had seen him before as the man who tried to pick up Jackie and I again at this time. Jackie gave the impression of knowing the individual. The third time I saw Jackie with this man, he was talking to her one day before work again. I promised Jackie not to say anything. I might seem ridiculous, but promises made by me are meant to be kept and this is the only time I will reveal promises made to her. You probably realize who I am. But if asked about any part of this statement, I would deny any knowledge of it. Okay. Okay. So strange. Very strange. Okay. I think capping it off by saying I'm going to deny it. Why'd you write it at all? I know. I know. Okay. So this is where like, yeah, again, like the whole Marilyn story gets a bit twisted because I think it becomes very clear to the police that like they're not really sure if they can believe everything that she says fair and th- but that's... she also spent a lot of time with jackie so like some of the information has to be useful some of it has to be but true. they just ha- don't know what's true and what's not yeah and that's hard and, that's really difficult and how how old is she again she's she's 15 she's the same age as jackie okay and that's that is a normal thing for 15 year olds to like yeah. Not always be telling the full absolute truth all the time. For sure. But anything she told them, like, they tried to corroborate it, right? So if they couldn't corroborate anything, I think they kind of took it as, like, maybe not true. true. Yeah. 
Um, so she told a story about Jackie getting a ride from like they uh, the, like getting a ride from the American guys right. and they tried to corroborate this story, right? Um, David said that Jackie had come to his place after like that night after work and she had said like, uh, we got a ride home from these two guys. They seemed nice, but the only thing that worried me was that they had beer in the car. Okay. So that seemed to be true. Okay, yeah. And that was the night before Jackie went missing. Yeah. Marilyn also told a story of her and Jackie going on a double date with two older guys named Mike and Arnie. Okay. She described Mike as having dark skin, black hair, and crooked teeth. Um, he spoke with a bit of an accent, and he looked about, like, late 20s, but Jackie told her that he was 30 and that no one could know she was dating someone so much older than her. Well, so yeah. she swore Marilyn to secrecy, okay, apparently. That's true. That's sketchy. Well, that's AF. fucked. I mean, she's 15 and he's 30. But... Yeah. Like get him get him either way. Yeah. Um <laughs> Mar- Marilyn says Jackie claimed to have a date with Mike after work on October 4th. So this is the person that she's sworn to secrecy about. Maybe. But again, the police couldn't corroborate any of this. Okay. Because if Jackie only told Marilyn this, then, then the no only... one else would know about this guy, right? The other odd detail is that for 50 years, Marilyn was considered to have an alibi on October 4th. Vanessa Brown disproved her alibi in her book. So... Oh, shit. Marilyn didn't work at the Met that night. She said she was at a sleepover after a Sadie Hawkins dance at her old high school, Clark Road Secondary. Okay. She was attending Beale at the time. Um, but she would be back at Clark Road by the end of the year. And she went to Clark Road the year before. So she had friends there. Yeah. She said that... So Vanessa Brown call, basically tracked down the girl who hosted this sleepover and asked her about it. Because this was Marilyn Hurd's alibi and the police were like, yep, checks out. Okay, cool. Um, so okay. this girl didn't didn't want to be named. So she's anonymous. Yep, but she okay. said that their Sadie Hawkins dances were held in the winter, not in October. She said said the sleepover was for her sweet 16 birthday that Marilyn was invited to and Marilyn was there. She remembers details about that night because one it was her sweet 16 so yeah, it was like a milestone it's birthday. It's a big birthday, yeah. And also because later it was determined to be the night that Jackie English vanished. It's a memorable night all around. So like it's a it's marked in her memory for sure. Yeah. She remembers that one of the girls needed to wash her ballet uniform and hang it to dry for her ballet lesson the next day. Okay. This is, like, one of the girls at the sleepover. Interesting. And she was, like, I remember because, like, she didn't know how to wash her own clothes because we were, like, whatever teenagers. And my mom helped her wash her ballet uniform. Vanessa Brown, like, finds out that in London in 1969, there were literally zero ballet classes that operated on Sundays. Okay. And this is 1969. Like, everything's closed on a Sunday, right? Like, it's God's day. Yeah. You know? (laughs) It is the Lord's day. (laughs) So this means that the sleepover had to have taken place on Friday, October 3rd, not on Saturday, October 4th. Okay. Because if this girl had ballet the next day, it had to have been a Friday. It had to have been, yeah. And this girl who hosted the sleepover corroborated this. She was like, yeah, it was on a Friday. So for 50 years, Marilyn Hurd's alibi... Okay. On October 4th was oh. actually on October 3rd. Okay. So that's just, that's a weird okay. thing about, that's okay. a weird thing about Marilyn. Okay. 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 The la- the last connection before we end this episode with Marilyn or like a weird sort of thing is that Marilyn's brother, Jim Hurd, was very disturbed 
you would say. And can I guess he was very taken by Jackie? We don't know his connection to Jackie. Okay. Really. But other than Jackie being friends with Marilyn. Okay. But Jim Hurd had been convicted of attacking five-year-old Bruce Shipley with a butcher knife. Oh my God. Like chased him with a butcher knife. And then he swung at him and he hit Bruce's friend Johnny, who was four years old, and sliced open his shoulder. This happened in 1966. Oh my God. He was given two years in prison. That's, I'm sorry, that's not enough time for cutting open a four-year-old. No. No, it's not even the end of it. Oh, fuck. In December 1970, so after he got out from his, like, just quick stint in jail for attacking a child. He got out in 70? Well, this is after he's gotten out. Like, he would have only served two years. He would have been out in 68. But this is December 1970. Okay. Jim got drunk and attacked nurse Hazel Jean Miller with a knife in the Victoria Hospital parking lot. Wait for it. Oh, God. He intended to take her car... But he was so drunk, he didn't realize that she never got out of the car. No. So she's in the passenger seat, and he proceeded to lead the police on a high-speed chase up and down Wellington Road going over 140 kilometers an hour. That's over 90 miles per hour for anyone who's in miles. On Wellington? On Wellington Road. Man, that's hard to do. Yeah, I know. On Wellington Road. With Hazel in the passenger seat the whole time. Terrified. And he didn't even realize she was in there? He was so drunk, he just assumed she jumped out of the car. I mean, maybe at some point on the chase he realized (laughs) she was in there, but it's like, too late now, man. You have a passenger. Yeah. He drove the vehicle right into a parked car in a parking lot at the corner of Wellington and Southdale. He was sentenced to three years this time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's totally, that makes sense. Just one more, plus psychiatric treatment. Well, I mean, mean, that's a given. Yeah. Yeah. People also, apparently there was a nurse... Sharon Zappio, who was attacked in a similar way one week prior to this incident. She had been approached by a man with a sharp, broken broom handle, and he held it to her throat and pushed her down and grabbed her purse and ran. So people speculate that this might have been Jim, because it happened a week prior to this. Honestly, sounds like Jim. And, like, it sounds like (laughs) It sounds like a Jim thing to do. (laughs) So according to Marilyn, her brother Jim had also spent time in jail for sexually assaulting his neighbor. Okay. This is the weird thing. The woman that Jim assaulted, so Vanessa Brown did not name her because she was like, I'm not going to name no. like this victim no, at we all. No, don't need to do that, yeah. Out of respect. But um, the woman that Jim assaulted signed the guest book at Jackie's funeral. Okay. And Jackie's brother Fred like was like, I know all of her friends. Like She wasn't this friends isn't... with this person. This was a stranger. So that's a weird connection in a way. But Fred wrote fred wrote a book later about investigating jackie's case it's not published but throughout his research and stuff he he called this woman like he tracked her down and called her and she doesn't remember attending jackie's funeral okay so she's like i don't know why my name would be in the guest book that seems weird and that was kind of just like that was it i wonder if it was like jim and he signed that name maybe oh oh weird okay weird so ann and fred english reconnected with Marilyn Hurd in the early 2000s. Okay. I think it said that Anne had written an article to the London Free Press about, I believe it was about Project Angel, which I've mentioned before. You have, yeah. When they were trying to, like, close some cold cases with DNA. Mm-hmm. So she written a letter um, that was published, and I guess Marilyn Hurd saw it and, like, reached out to her. Um, Marilyn, it sounds like she had been in and out of psych treatments 
like kind of her whole life like ever since then, yeah. Really, yeah and eventually landed in assisted living so ann and fred would go there and like talk to her and they tried numerous times over the years to get Marilyn to like reveal some sort of detail like they some sort you of know truth, something. something new yeah they said most of her stories were like disoriented like a lot of them were false like just sort of like bordering on delusion and, you okay. know, stuff like that. Same with the police, right? Where they're like, oh, we don't know what to believe and what not to believe. Sometimes she's just rambling. Yeah. Um, but okay. they both still believe that Marilyn knows who killed their sister. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vanessa Brown, I believe, didn't interview Marilyn because I think she said it was because of health issues, which, like, is understandable. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, like, how much she would have benefited from talking to her anyways. It yeah. sounds like it's hard to... Like, tease apart all the details. Yeah. And, like, what, yeah, what what new information are you going to get that nobody else hasn't been able to get before out of, like, a difficult scenario person? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's where we're going to leave it right now. Ugh. Okay. Believe it or not, there's, like, a lot more. Because it feels like we're very close. And you're telling me there's more. There's so much more. Okay. All right. Okay. It's, yeah. It's just, I'm so stressed. Shit's going to hit the fan. And then just like fly everywhere, yeah, and it's just like, gonna, like cover, We're gonna be covered walls. In shit. Okay, yeah. Really looking forward to just being covered in absolute diarrhea soon. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> this better wrap up. Like, there is there like a solution at the end, a conclusion, or are you gonna the, leave me hanging are, forever? These are all cold cases. Oh, for some reason, I thought this one wasn't okay. But it doesn't mean that it can't be solved. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Oh, we'll get there. This guys. is a very we'll frustrating one. I, this I is know. extremely frustrating. I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, sign up to be super cool and join our cult of extremely awesome people who love true crime at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed. And if you ever want to chat and connect with us, you can send us an email to how to not get killed at gmail.com. Or you can DM us or comment on our posts on Instagram at how to not get killed. And you can follow us on Twitter at H2NGK. You can also check out our website and shop our merch at www.howtonotgetkilled.com. Yeah, we got new merch. Check yeah, we have out. new merch. I was just going to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Check them yeah. out. By the time this airs, my sweater will have arrived. Oh, yeah. If, well, it fucking better have arrived by then. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for listening and keep us sleazy, guys. Yeah. Keep it extra sleazy. See ya. Okay, bye.